Okay. <clears throat> well, welcome again. Uh, my name's Louise. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great if you're visiting us or new today. Um, yeah, I pray that you get a flavor of us. Uh, we're quite a smallish church. Uh, it's a really good one to get to know everyone. You can comfortably know that you know who's in that church. Um, and that can be very appealing to some people. So if that's you, then you're very, very welcome. Afterwards today, we've got a newcomer's lunch. So you're welcome to stay and get to know us a bit better. We'd love you just to tuck in. I think it's a roast, so it's quite a good one today. Right. <clears throat> okay, well, we are starting something called Rule of Life, and we'll get to that in a minute. And our first topic we're going to start with is the discipline of slowing. Uh, this is quite a new one, um, and it's very relevant to us, of course. So if we think about our culture that we're in, one way that we can describe it right now is that it's fast, very, very fast. Even holidays um, and retirement are fast. You know, people sometimes say to me, oh, I'm retired now, but I'm busier than ever. Um, and in our culture, we probably, most of us, get about four weeks holiday. And in that time, we are trying again to go fast. We've got lots to fit in. We want to go places and see people. And the amount of pressure that is on us, often a week, just isn't enough. The amount of, um, what's it called, cortisol, sort of veering and streaming through our body means that a week isn't really enough. And we might be living for retirement, but that can also seem a long way off, especially as the goalposts keep changing and you think, oh, I was going to get there. Oh, no, I'm not going to get there. And some people smiling at that. And we can be fair to say that we're in a culture that is addicted too fast. Slow is only ever seen as negative, as in you can have slow service or slow internet or slow drivers, Sunday drivers, or slow checkouts or slow deliveries. And all the time alongside this, we're bombarded with things that we are told we want and we must do. We want this and we must do it. It wasn't very long ago that people were looking towards our time in history and anticipating so many breakthroughs scientifically that we would be almost living in an ideal world where everyone is healthy, there's no poverty, and that everyone is relaxing around and they just work a few hours a week because, of course, so much has happened. But the reality is very different. In fact, no one anticipated that we, in fact, would be still hungry, we'd still have poverty. Everyone, in fact, would be moving at a faster rate. And where we thought we'd have more time for genuine relationships, we have an epidemic of loneliness. Genuine relationships are breaking down and they are obviously being replaced by online relationships. 
where we know something about a person, but we don't necessarily know the person. They're different things. And so our mental health is at crisis points, and that's partly why we offer um, Kintsugi Hope here. It's one of the great needs of our time. Somehow, we have to slow down. And so now, you can find yourselves booking a holiday in something called a sleep hotel. Have you heard of this? I saw this on the news. And you book yourself into a room with no distractions, no tech works in there. There are no windows. I know. It's just a bed in a room, completely stripped of every distraction that you might sleep for the holiday. And we chuckle, but that is becoming very popular. You don't have these hotels springing up because no one wants it. And as followers of Jesus, we're not immune to the hurry sickness, as it's sometimes called. We are busy. And when it comes to church, we can sometimes feel that with our stretch schedules and all the demands on us, that that volunteering role is going to push us over the edge. We're not immune to it. And I know for me, you know, having children at home, especially with preschoolers, and you've got them, and you're working, and you've got lunch boxes to fill, and forms to fill in, and payments to transfer, that it can feel totally overwhelming. And it just keeps repeating. You tidy, it's messy. You tidy, it's messy. You cook, you wash up. You cook, and it's on and on. But I think it's not just that. It's everything we do. And on top of this, we have the guilt. Let's chuck that on top as well. So we should have quality time with family. We should be investing in those friends. And on top of that, we should help that charity. Or we must do this. Or we should visit that person. And it can feel like a million plates are spinning And it's a recipe we all know for burnout. And all the time, on top of it, we're encouraged to look like we can handle anything. You can look from the outside as if you're thriving, you're doing well in your career, in your marriage, or your course at university, or you're breezing through it, you're on all these clubs and these committees... But inside, perhaps a different story. How is your soul doing in all of this? For me, I was so fortunate to have a sabbatical last year. And it became so apparent very quickly that a couple of weeks was not going to scratch where I was itching. I had to paint walls to calm down. You know, we can get on this hurry hamster wheel... And it's very hard to get off. It took me time to think about how I was feeling spiritually and emotionally, physically. And it was in that place I was fortunate to start looking at, okay, how do I slow down? How do I put into practice spiritual things that are going to help me live for Jesus? 
And I wondered about this rule of life that I kept hearing about. Because I often go on retreat, and I meet a lot of Anglican friends there, and they were going on and on about this rule of life. And I thought, I wonder what that is. And so I began reading books. So this morning, as we come to think about a rule of life, I want you to start by thinking about how about you? How is your soul doing in this hurry, crazy, busy world? Some of you, what I've described is familiar. Our jobs are demanding, the emails are piling up, your boss is on your back, your family's demanding, there are places you want to go, things you want to achieve, and you're thinking, I don't have enough time to do something else. I need more days. I, perhaps if I just slept four hours. But I want us to pause and ask, what are we trying to attain in life? What do we want? And most importantly, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? As Christians, we know that we're followers of Jesus. We make him Lord of our life. In that moment, we're not only trusting in the cross and what he's done on death on the cross for us, that we might be forgiven from sins, that we might live for him, but we're choosing to listen to what he has to say to us, to live his way, to become like him. Romans 8.28 puts it like this. I think it's on the slides. I don't have anything, so I can't help anybody. It says, it says in Romans, God's purpose in choosing us is that we might be conformed to the image of his son. That is, we might become like Jesus. So we need to ask, are we becoming like Jesus? Jesus gives us this invitation. I think it's on the next slide. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't think there's been a time when this has felt more attractive. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. Does it feel like you are carrying this yoke? And if not, whose yoke are you carrying? Now, Jesus didn't live in the culture we did. He didn't have phones. He didn't have TV. He couldn't binge watch on Netflix. He didn't have the pressures we have. I admit that. But he did know pressure. He knew what it was to feel overwhelmed by the task ahead, to feel the demands of people. And yet, he had enough time. 
He did experience the same limitations as us. He chose to take on our limitations, that limitation of time. But he never hurried. Not even if life was in the balance. We just read, didn't we, about the woman who touched Jesus' cloak. We read about how they were demanding of him. It says a large crowd gathered around him. And this was familiar to Jesus. Sometimes they would run around the lake to get to him. Sometimes they would be almost trampling each other because they wanted to get to Jesus. He knew those pressures on him. And he saw people falling at his feet and begging for help, pleading earnestly with him, it says. And we see here there's a powerful man involved as well, a synagogue leader who wants his help. The pressure is here to, well, this man, the synagogue leader, if I could get him on side, if only he could see my power, maybe he is the most important person here. The need is massive because it won't just be this woman in the crowd that needs something from Jesus. It will be everyone in that crowd who needs Jesus. Everyone needs him. Everyone doesn't need us, but everyone needs Jesus. And he's interrupted by this woman who everyone else ignores. They don't even notice she's there. And if they had, they would exclude her. And he stops and makes time. You can almost imagine the frustration of the crowd. Come on, we want to get here. The synagogue leader, he's desperate. The disciples are going, I'm sorry, there are a lot of people crowding. What is going on? And this pressure is on Jesus to go and heal. This little girl's life is in the balance. And he stopped to say, who touched me? And in this chaos that's raging around him, he gives this woman 100% attention. He is totally present with her. even though time is ticking. But he doesn't move. And it makes me think, when I'm pressured, the things that go. So perhaps you can think, what happens when your time is pressured? For me, I know a big thing is I stop seeing people. I become blinkered. People have mentioned it before. Louise, you didn't seem to notice me. I'm like, I had my hurry blinkers on, and I just didn't see you. I was so focused. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And I'm going, and I can't. And I've missed what was so important around me, those people. Because I just, I'm going here. But Jesus doesn't do that. And I want to become like Jesus. He saw people and he noticed people. How about you when you're pressured? A good place is always to look at your nearest and dearest. How do you treat them when they haven't put their shoes on for the 400th time and you're late? 
Or how do you treat them when you need to get to work and you need to do this and you need to do this and this and they want something from me. Or they want me to read them a bedtime story, but I'm so tired. Or I need to write this essay, but my housemate wants to talk to me. Or I'm at work and I've got this piece of work and it's got to be in at five, but now a work colleague says... Well, things aren't going very well for me right now. At that moment, we want to be Jesus. And they're tough, aren't they? This is where we need wisdom. We're not giving ourselves to anyone and everyone all the time, are we? Because we'd be dead. We need wisdom. But we also need to be thinking, Jesus, in this moment, I've only got this much time. What is the right thing to do. One of the symptoms, they say, of hurry sickness is an inability to be present in what we're doing. We're always thinking about the next thing to do, a shopping list in our head, checking our phone, our messages, watching TV, trying to hear our children read while simultaneously doing an email. We are chronic multitaskers, but everyone knows you can't multitask. You're just, your brain is just flicking between tasks and doing both very badly. <laughs> Jesus demonstrates complete presence with this woman. And just as a side note, I was really struck by the fact that Jesus is fully present to me. And I just found that so overwhelming. And I don't know if that's for you today, because you don't often get people that are fully present to you. But he is fully present to you now. And that, I think, is just a sideline, but a very important one. God doesn't hurry. The highest value of Jesus, he said, love is patience. It is painfully time-consuming to love. If you've loved someone or you love someone or been loved by someone, it takes time. Love and hurry don't mix. John Mark Homer, he wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and the book is out there. You have a look at it. It's an amazing book if you feel that this is relevant to you. He wrote, God walks slowly because he is love. And I find that so, so challenging. In a culture where everything is now, we live an upside-down kingdom in choosing slow. In this, we have to accept our limitations. We're told all the time, you can do anything, be anything, go anywhere, achieve anything. Is that true? We have limitations, and a big one is time. Dallas Willard, he also wrote Spiritual Disciplines, Renovation of the Heart. He called hurry the great enemy of the spiritual life. He calls it an enemy, and an enemy we should take seriously. Just think about this. How easy is it to hear God's voice if we constantly fill our ears with noise. 
How easy is it to enjoy our work if we're constantly tired and have no ability to say no? How genuine are relationships if we're busy, if we're trying to maintain 200 on social media, but we don't have time to sit with our friends? And how difficult it is to be present to God and others when we are just simply have chosen to do too much. To live a life of love, we must develop patience. Patience is something, it says, that can accept delay, difficulties, and suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. I don't think I'm there yet. (laughs) But it's something I want to develop. God's put a limit on us. If we are running to beat time, to control time, we are running a race we won't win. God has put eternity in our hearts because we have eternity, but not now. We are not humanists trying to squash everything in because this is it, one life, one life only. A number of years ago, it really helped me to settle down when I started to think about how God would renew the earth and that I could see some of the things I wanted to see in eternity. It didn't matter if I don't take that trip to see the Taj Mahal. It's okay. I've got eternity where I'm going to see things beyond my wildest dreams, and that is okay with me. So who am I becoming? In Hebrews, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And over the years since the early church, every Christian, every generation has wrestled with this. How do I become like Jesus? How do I work with the Holy Spirit to become like him? And I like to think of it as positioning myself in a place where I can be loved. That helps me, positioning my place. Like, a, like putting your car in the garage and positioning the car for the mechanic to get under the bonnet and underneath. How am I positioning myself each week for God to work on me, for me to allow him to do that? And these are sometimes called spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. People don't like that word often. But they're doing things that position us for Christ to work in us. They can be silence, solitude, study, celebration, service, prayer, Sabbath, simplicity. We'll look at some of these over the next few weeks. They are ways of following Jesus and doing what he did. We sometimes miss what he did because we sometimes focus on what he said. And that's okay. We need to be listening to what he says. But how did he live? What was he like as a person? Who was he? Because we want to become like him. And together, these practices can be called a rule of life. And you might be scared of the word rule. You might think it's like, oh, that's legalism. You must do it. But it comes from the Latin that means like ruler. It keeps you on the straight and narrow. It helps you go in the right direction. Some people say it's like a trellis. If you have a plant 
that's a climber. You have to give it something to climb up. If you don't, it ends up on the floor. It can be eaten by slugs. It doesn't produce very good fruit. It needs a trellis. And I want you to think that each of these things that we put in are part of that rule, that trellis, to grow and position ourselves to be transformed by Christ. Because I don't know about you, but God hasn't snapped his fingers with me. He didn't just go, da-da, and there she is. But we have to work with him. Philippians says, therefore, dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. They say grace does not exclude work. We work out our salvation in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So we have the first pole in our trellis, and it is slow. Okay, and that's going to mean different things for different people. But this week, if you'd like to, you can try these things. Deliberately choose the slowest lane, or the slowest checkout queue, or the slowest way of cooking your meal the slowest way of getting to work. And this will produce in you some pretty strong emotions. But that is okay. Because that's when we get to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. It should make us feel uncomfortable if it's an area that God wants to work on. You can ask yourself through the day, am I fully present? I did it this morning. I was sitting there trying to sing a song and I was thinking about lunch. And I said, Lord, I am not present to you. Help me be present here, now, with you. And, you know, my brain's all over the place all the time. If you're interrupted, how do you feel? What do you say? And have you stopped for a quick wisdom prayer? God, in this moment, what would you do? So there's some fun. Let's pray. We're going to finish there for today. We're going to do more next week. It's exciting. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, in this season, we want you to speak into our lives. And we want to listen to these words this morning. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And so, Father, going forward, please teach us this week. We know we're slow learners, and that's okay. Jesus, please teach us. Amen.